Hey, everybody knows Weber grills. I've been using Weber grills my whole life, and check it out. They got a pellet grill, the Weber Searwood pellet grill. Now, with a pellet grill, you can smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. You can go from low and slow, okay, on smoke boost mode, or crank this thing all the way to a heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full great sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame. Get fired up for your new Weber Searwood pellet grill. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon. This is episode number 168, and today on the show, we're kicking off our 2017 Rut Radio miniseries, in which we're going to be getting real-time, from-the-field updates from across the country about how deer are behaving current conditions affecting deer, and the tactics that are working right now. Alright guys, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear, and today we've got a special episode for you. This is the first episode of the 2017 edition of the Rut Radio miniseries that we launched last fall. I'm not sure if you guys, if you're new, you may not know what I'm talking about, but if you were listening in the fall of 2016, you're probably familiar with Rut Radio. But with me today, the guy who's helping make all this happen is one of our producers and the host of Rut Radio, Spencer Newharth. Spencer, uh, thanks for coming back to help us do this again this year. Well, thanks for having me. Um, Just as much as I hope people enjoy listening to them. I enjoy making them uh, because this is all great information that I can use too. So I'm, I'm happy to be doing this and I'm happy that we uh, started them a little bit earlier this year. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's something I think a lot of people will notice different. So last year we started rut radio is, is a mini series within wired to hunt to give people up to date information during the rut. And I'll let you explain in more detail, but at a super high level, that was our, our high, our high level thought and plan this year. We're still going to call it the Rut Radio miniseries, but I thought, let's share what's going on throughout the entire deer season. So so I guess before I go any further, Spencer, can you walk us through what the Rut Radio series is going to be about? What are, what are we going to cover on these special episodes? So each week for like the next three months or so, uh, I will talk to a number of different contacts in the whitetail world and see what the deer activity looks like where they're at. And so, for example, this week, uh, you know, we got four states that kind of cover the U.S. And and next week, we'll try to have like four different states that do the same thing and and just kind of hear what these guys are seeing in their region. And hopefully the information that you get from that uh, can just be another piece of the puzzle that you use for your hunts. And, you know, for this first episode, I'm in the same boat uh, as that 
what I've heard from these guys has been really relevant to me because as someone whose deer season doesn't open until this weekend, I have not been in the woods hardly at all. And so talking to some of these people uh, gives me a really good idea of what I should be looking for in these early hunts as far as uh, bachelor groups and field edges and, and beans turning colors and stuff like that. And hopefully, uh, you know, as we get deeper into this, that you can use that same bit of information in October and November and December. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it because I think, you know, so often we want to know what's coming our way or what we should expect if we haven't been in the woods in a little while or, or different things like that. So, so what I thought about last year's, you know, episodes, when we talked to a whole bunch of different people from different parts of the country every year and you were, you were asking them, okay, what kind of deer activity are you seeing? Um, how are you seeing these deer react to the current weather? Um, what types of rut-related behavior, all those different things. You're, you're getting this intel from somebody maybe in Iowa or South Dakota or Kansas or New Hampshire or whatever it might be. And then depending on where I was hunting or where, you know, a friend was hunting, I could say, okay, you know, so-and-so was hunting in Iowa. I'm heading, you know, I'm going to be heading to Iowa next week. Sounds like they're seeing A, B, C. That's going to help me plan what I do when I go there. Or in particular, like, right, you get these weather systems ahead to go from the west towards the east. So when I hear about what's going on in Missouri or Iowa or Illinois a couple days before I'm going to be hunting here in Michigan, I know what to expect coming my way. Um, so my hope is with this this year, you know, not just rut-related things, but even early season-related things, late season-related things, we're going to get a really good pulse of what's happening in the whitetail world across the country, what kind of conditions we're seeing, what kind of deer behavior we're seeing. And also what I liked about last year was that you did a good job of of talking to people about not only what they're seeing, but also what they're trying. So what types of tactics they're trying, what types of stand setups they're trying, and then how are those working? So you can see, okay, yeah, it sounds like rattling's really starting to work for people right now. Or, oh, it's interesting, three of the five guys said that a doe and estrus bleat worked for them, and it's the first week of November, maybe, yeah, I should be trying that. Um, I found that really helpful. I don't know if, if you found that helpful for yourself as you did that. Is that the case at all, Spencer? Yeah, definitely. And like this time of year with the guys we talk to, um, you'll kind of notice it's a lot of like very vanilla setups that it's field edges, it's evening hunts, um, it's looking for water, stuff like that. And I think you'll really start to notice a difference in those kind of hunts once we get to October. And I remember one episode last year, for example, where um, I kind of hit everyone with the same question at the beginning and say on a one, scale of one to 10, what do you think the deer activity has been? And I remember it was like mid October and we got everything from a two to a nine. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, right now it might seem like, uh, things kind of are the same from North Carolina to North Dakota. Uh, but as we get a little deeper into the season, especially right before the rut kicks off, uh, there's a lot to take in as far as local deer activity. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping this is going to be helpful for people to get, you know, real time updates and perspectives from different people across the country. So I'm excited about it. I know I know you are. And I guess we should probably just stop beating around the bush and get right into stuff today, Spencer, because I know you've got a good slate of um, of contacts for us to hear from. So, So what do we have in store for this episode? So we opened it up talking to Cole Stevens uh, from Hawk Hunting, and he was hunting in North Carolina where he actually tagged out on an awesome buck. Nice. Uh, and then we, then we go to Mike Hunsucker from Heartland Bow Hunter in Missouri. Then we have A.J. Gall in Wisconsin with Legendary Whitetails. And then we ended in North Dakota with Alex Comstack from Whitetail DNA. Awesome. Well, it sounds like uh, we've got some interesting stuff in store, so I will uh, leave it to you, Spencer, to take us from here. All right. Talk to you next week, Mark.
Before we get to our first update, though, let's pause for a word from our sponsors at Sitka Gear. And for this week's Sitka story, we're joined by Sitka photographer Sam Sohold, who tells us about a recent elk hunt that started with an unexpected snowstorm but ended with a bull on the ground. So on Friday, September 15th, my buddy Andrew Whitney and I and his girlfriend Katie, uh, probably against better judgment, hiked into about four miles in a snowstorm and uh, got there just before dark and set up camp and had a very cold, sleepless night because there was trees falling all around us. And um, the next morning we woke up and it had cleared a little bit, but uh, the storm had pretty much shut down uh, any elk uh, like any elk talking. So it was just a, a long, cold day. We started a fire and stayed warm and, uh, heard a couple bugles that night, but just nothing, um, nothing coming into the calls and nothing, nothing excited enough to, to approach. So we went back to camp and, um, crashed for the night and got up the next morning. It was like totally clear, crisp. And we hiked over to this ridge. And as we crested the ridge, I'm pretty sure, uh, a bull heard us, our footprints in the snow because the snow had frozen. It was really crunchy. And as we crested the ridge, this bull fired off a bugle. So Andrew bugled back and he uh, cut him off again and bugled. And then another bull fired off. And so we started moving in. And all of a sudden we saw this six point running down the hill. And he was actually running towards the other bull that had fired off. And uh, about 30 seconds later, we heard him start to fight. And we just sprinted towards the noise. And we got down the hill about 400 yards and they literally let us walk to within 20 yards at one point. And they were just fighting back and forth in the trees. We had both come to full draw. We thought they were going to stop and we thought we were both going to lose an arrow and ended up fighting back down into the trees. And then when they finally fought back up, the, the winner of the fight pushed the other bull off and then was just standing there watching him, uh, watching the other bull walk away. And I grabbed the camera to make sure I was filming the bull. And Andrew came to full draw and sent an arrow and it was done. So from the moment we heard the bugle to an elk being on the ground, it was like seven minutes and 16 seconds, according to the uh, time log on my camera. On Sam's hunt, he was wearing Sitka's jet stream jacket and mountain pants. If you'd like to create a Sitka story of your own or to learn more about Sitka's technical hunting apparel, visit sitkagear.com. All right, so joining us on the phone first is Cole Stevens, the digital coordinator for Hawk Hunting. Now, Cole has been hunting in North Carolina for the last week, where he actually just punched a tag on an awesome buck. Now, Cole, during your time there, what would you say the buck activity was on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, while I was there, I would say that it was about a 6. Um, the deer movement had slowed down just every day, it seemed like. Um, from when the time we got there to the time that it left, I think that was due to the, the transitioning of their summer patterns to fall patterns. A lot of the deer, or a lot of the stands that we're hunting were summer pattern stands, and it seemed like every night they were, they were coming out a little bit later. So it was starting to decrease our, our hunting activity while we were in the stand. And so with all the hurricane uh talk that was affecting that area did you guys feel that in that part of north carolina and do you think that affected the deer hunting at all i do uh the gentleman that was hosting us um the hurricane actually didn't hit there but he said that the days that it was supposed to hit there with the cold front that would had hit and uh, the rain that they had gotten that the deer were just acting a lot different than normal 
Um, they weren't hitting the cameras that they were normally on. So I really do think that that hurricane had some sort of effect on them post and during that, that time frame that they were there. Well, for a Midwesterner, that is a scary and really foreign thought to have to worry about hurricanes affecting your deer hunting. Uh, but going forward, you talked about how you expect to see more of a transition from summer patterns uh, to more of their fall pattern. So, Cole, with that transition, what do you think that's going to look like? Is there going to be more daylight activity or less daylight activity? Yeah, they were definitely uh, getting away from those fields during daylight. Um, the stands that we were in uh, were, were usually just those pinch points where they're on their way to those stands. And you could tell um, that they weren't just crossing through those like their, their average stroll. Um, I think right now the acorns are sitting in a stand. You could hear them dropping nonstop. So that, that's really going to hurt uh, the hunter because they're, they're not going to move during the day. They're going to hit those acorns. They're going to, they're not going to need to find the food sources out in the open fields. They can be more concealed. And I think uh, in the next couple of weeks, here, the, the deer are going to be really hard to pattern. Well, during your time there, you, you killed that awesome buck, and congrats on that. But why don't you tell us a little bit specifically about that setup that you had for, for that hunt? That setup was a, a really exciting one, actually. Um, previous to me coming down there, Carson Corey had sent me a few pictures of that buck and said that he had been coming into a regular spot and that he'd really like to get me on him. Well, like we were talking about with that hurricane, the buck disappeared. He, he quit going to his normal spot, so we kind of had to adjust to that. And the first night I hunted it, it was dead. There wasn't a single deer walking through there. Um, but Carson kept telling me that that was his bedroom and that's where he was going to work his way back to. So the following night, I hunted the same stand, and it was almost like clockwork. He, he must have walked his way back into that bed, and I caught him right before dark, taking the exact steps that we thought he would. Um, I don't know where he was the previous days. He had just disappeared like a ghost, and then all of a sudden I had him at 10 yards right underneath my stand doing his, his nightly walk. How about with bachelor groups? Are you still seeing deer that are grouped up at this point? Not not like they were. Um, this buck, he had been showing up almost regularly by himself, um, but there was another buck coming to the same area at similar times, but they were never really grouped up together they were they were definitely on different terms at that point when we were hunting them all right cool well going forward in north carolina in this next week or so what do you think the deer activity is going to look like on a scale of one to ten on a scale of one to ten i think it would be uh almost down to a five because of the, the amount of acorns dropping and the, the just the transitioning um, the bucks were losing their velvet they're kind of acting funky so i think now they're going to start hitting that testosterone and, and really just breaking apart. And now the, the, I guess the place you'd want to be is finding where they're moving um, right before dark and right in the early mornings out of their beds. And they're not going to be looking for food so much as starting to get on those does and starting to get a little more aggressive. All right, Cole, it sounds like uh, your timing played out well then to, to get a deer on the ground. So thanks for your time and, and good luck the rest of your season. Yeah, thanks, Spencer. You too. All right, and joining us on the line next is Mike Hunsucker, host of Heartland Bowhunter. Now, Mike, I know Missouri just had their opener and you've been hunting. Uh, thus far, what would you say the deer activity has been on a scale of 1 to 10? 
man, I'd have to say it's been uh, actually it depends on what you're talking about. You know, I've uh, I've so far um, in the past few days I've hunted two different properties, and uh, one property I'm seeing a lot of movement, another property I'm not seeing much. So um, it's it's early season, it's hit or miss. That's typically how it goes. But this is absolutely one of my favorite times of the year to hunt. Uh, and target a specific buck, especially in Missouri. Uh, the last two weeks of September can be really, really effective. And, and is there something that you can put your finger on as far as why you're seeing property, uh, one property with such great movement and the other one without? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variables. Um, you know, the deer have been obviously the key on the beans throughout the summer. Um, and as long as you still have beans that are still green, typically, you know, you're going to see good deer movement. So um, on one of our properties that I'm hunting, um, we, we just have really, really green beans. We got them in late. Um, the deer are just absolutely annihilating them. Um, they're still definitely the food, preferred uh, food source. And on that particular property, there's not a lot of mature oaks. So we're not seeing much of an acorn crop, um, which, you know, keeps them in the field as opposed to, you know, our other properties that, you know, we still actually have green beans on as well. Um, but the deer have all but vanished off of the bean field. It's, it's unbelievable. It's kind of a, uh surprise to me actually you know typically as long as the beans stay green we're going to see deer in there but man i cannot believe the difference the past couple of weeks has made the acorns must just be dropping like crazy i mean we've seen them uh to a certain extent but i mean the deer have literally just vanished in these fields where we were seeing 30 40 deer a night uh we're not seeing hardly any so it's a pretty pretty crazy difference now with that property that you are seeing good movement um the, the pattern that those deer are on, how long of a pattern has that been that, that you've observed just like days or weeks uh, th- that these deer? Yeah, I mean, all all summer, basically. I mean, they've been, um, you know, sticking to the same patterns, um, you know, for, for at least the past couple months, you know, since the beans really got established and um, they haven't really really got off the beans. Um, so it just depends, you know, on property, on, on the food available, the cover available, and where the deer are at. I mean, every property is unique and different, but one thing is that's pretty much remained constant. Um, you know, the, if you have beans that are green, I mean, they're going to be, they're going to be eating them and, um, you know, they may pre- prefer acorns, you know, when, when they can feed and be in the, uh, be in the secluded timber where they're not being, you know, exposed and stuff, but, uh, until at least till, till dark, but, um, it definitely makes a difference. The acorn crop is definitely makes a difference on the amount of activity seen in the field. And so what does a setup uh, look like for you this time of year? Is it almost strictly all field edges that you're hunting? Yeah, you know, it kind of depends. Um, I like to kind of lightly this time of year. I mean, it's, you know, you, you got deer that have been undisturbed all summer long and they haven't been messed with and um, they're, they're pretty regular for the most part. And the last thing you want to do is, just, you know, dive in and blow, blow the deer out and ruin your opportunity and, you're hunting a big mature deer you know you just don't get that many opportunities so um my favorite thing is to kind of start start from the outside start from some vantage points and and kind of uh get an overview of what's going on before you actually make a move and dive in um you know we're primarily focusing on evening hunts this year morning hunts um are really tough depending on the situation if you have a, a certain property that sets up good for them it might be might be acceptable but for the most part we're working in on evening hunts and uh, just playing it safe waiting for the right the right uh, wind and the right conditions um, that makes a huge difference too obviously the weather patterns and anytime you can get a cold front um, this time of year with a high pressure system you know it seems like it just the deer are just on their feet moving like crazy and feeding 
And has moisture played any kind of role there for you um, early in the year like this? Yeah, absolutely. So um, these two particular properties, one of them, we've gotten pretty pretty ample amounts of rain. Um, you know, the beans are beans are doing well. Uh, the food plots are doing well. Um, and our other property, you know, is, is a little further north, and we've missed a lot of the rain that we've gotten down down further south. And um, it just makes a huge difference. Uh, I think that has a lot to do with the acorns dropping a little bit early because it's so dry. Um, they're dropping a little sooner than they, than they would. And so, um, you know, obviously the beans aren't doing as well there. Uh, food plots are struggling. We had to actually replant a couple of them this week that just didn't hardly even germinate because there wasn't any moisture in the ground. So, um, you know, you get up to northern Missouri, southern Iowa border, that area, we just, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of drought this summer. Well, going forward here, Mike, uh, at the end of September, what do you think that deer activity level is going to be like on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, it, it typically decreases as you get later and later in the month of September. Um, you know, I've kind of experienced the first, you know, five to seven days of the Missouri season tend to be the best. And a lot of that, like I said, relates to beans turning, acorns dropping, um, and that type of stuff. But, um, you know, as we get later in the month of September, I mean, I think the movement's going to be down a little lower, um, depending on your area. But, um, you know, I think that uh, once we get into those times where, where the weather the weather is so much more of a factor um, and, and has them on, you know, the, the cold fronts that come through are going to really have them on their feet moving um, when otherwise they may not be moving until, until after dark. You know, I would say deer movements, you know, this time of year is up there, you know, eight or nine. Um, as far as, you know, moving and, and daylight consistency and, you know, later in the year, you're probably going to get, you know, six, five. I mean, it's not, not the best, you know, late, late September, early October, you know, into the middle of October gets to be, gets to be tough and really relying on weather systems. All right, Mike. Well, great insight there on Missouri and uh, good luck the rest of the fall. All right. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Before we get to our next update, let's pause to hear from our friends at Whitetail Properties. This week with Whitetail Properties, we are joined by Neil Hogger, a land specialist out of Wisconsin. And Neil is going to be telling us about what habitat improvements can be made to northern properties, like that of Minnesota and Wisconsin. Well, in northern Wisconsin in particular, where I live, what you deal with is monoculture of forest for the most part, especially in the upper third of the state. And as such, the most important thing you do revolves around food, the deer, are going to go where the food is and with that monoculture you can have a biological desert in the in the timber so if you can create a food plot that's fantastic but if you really want to make it special you want to recreate what i call as a trifecta try to create a food plot near a structure such as a creek or perhaps a ridge point that the deer must navigate around and now you've created a pinch point and uh, if you want to really spice it up you can maybe put in a uh, a watering hole, or um, you can maybe do a, a blocking hinge cut, and then you've created maybe a trifecta or a quadfecta. But the goal here is to give the deer a reason to be on the spot and make sure your tree stand is in that spot. If you'd like to learn more and to see the properties that Neil currently has listed for sale, visit whitetailproperties.com backslash hogger. That's H-A-U-G-E-R. And joining us on the line next is A.J. Gall, the content coordinator for Legendary Whitetails. Now, A.J., in Wisconsin, what would you say the deer activity has been on a scale of 1 to 10? 
Hey, Spencer, I would say it's probably uh, sitting right around a three right now. A three, and so that's you know, obviously pretty poor. Do you think it has been uh, better in the past, or why do you think it's so low right now? Yeah, I think we just got struck with, uh, well, now it's going to be a full week of continuous heat to, to hit the opener, which was coming out of a relatively cool August and beginning of September. So um, we got a little unlucky heat wave here for opening weekend, and now it looks like it's going to be mid-80s again heading into the second weekend of hunting. And so with that heat wave, uh, do you think it's just uncomfortable for the deer to be moving right now? Or do you think they're they're hitting other food sources and, and water sources? Yeah, I would say it's probably just a little bit later in the evening. Um, I did notice on Sunday night versus Saturday, uh, Sunday night it dipped about 10 degrees. There's a, a little bit of a cool front that came on through and seemed like there's pretty good deer activity during the evening um and you know there's some sparring bucks um does and fawns were out feeding um most of most of what i saw was was out in either alfalfa or bean fields yet um you know beans are just starting to change around here so so you mentioned uh the sparring bucks Does, does that mean that the bachelor groups are all broken up there in wisconsin right now uh there's you know they're definitely not completely yet there's some traveling together um based on trail cams and and what we what we saw um i just had that one instance actually it wasn't me i just got got a video from my cousin that was on stand um sunday night and he had he had the old um text on the screen saying turn the volume up and sure enough there's two bucks going at it pretty good so um you know it's right at that stage where their testosterone starts starts to rise and elevate and they'll be they'll be splitting up here shortly and you mentioned the beans a little bit earlier also too um are are the deer hitting the beans right now like they have been or or are they changing colors for you there in wisconsin yeah they're definitely changing colors um it's been highly variable um especially on the western side of the state where the we had a ton of rain and farmers got in there a little bit later than than normal so i know on our one farm out in vernon county there's uh gonna be green beans around there for quite some time because they didn't get planted till july and then down around here in the southeastern part of the state pretty much everything got planted on time so it's just a matter of what variety bean they used and uh but i would say majority of the fields around here are starting to turn gold so they'll be turning off here shortly yeah, that sounds like uh, what what most people are experiencing in the Midwest right now. Uh, I know Wisconsin just had their opener. Have you been hunting any mornings yet, or are you strictly evenings this time of year? Uh, pretty much strictly evenings. I did sit Saturday morning um, just because it's the, the typical thing to do on opening day. Um, but just saw a little five-pointer, and that was about it. Um, so, yeah, m- mainly sticking to evenings, get ahead of them and beat them out to the, the field edges and just inside the wood lots. And going forward uh, in Wisconsin for this next week or so, do you think the deer activity is going to improve? And, and what would you think that's going to be on a scale of 1 to 10? Yeah, this weekend, uh, I think it's going to be pretty close to similar results, another uh, rise in temperature. So I don't think it's going to be too great. Uh, pretty hot afternoons for anybody that's looking to do hanging hunts. 
So I, I would say it's going to be right about the same. So three or four, I would guess. Um, it just ma- just makes it tough to try to get out there and want to shoot a doe and or even a buck and and have the chance of it going going wrong and not hitting it perfect then dealing with these temperatures so all right aj well i hope some uh cooler weather comes through for you in, in wisconsin thanks for your time and good luck hey no problem yeah it'll come and joining us on the line last is alex comstock the founder of whitetail dna now alex in north dakota uh, you guys have already been hunting for quite a while and in that area what would you say the deer activity has been on a scale of one to ten I'd say overall, it's probably been at about a four. It's been kind of hit and miss, some good nights, some bad nights. And so has it gotten um, a little bit worse as you guys have gotten further into September, or is that four been pretty consistent? Yeah, I'd say it's been pretty consistent. I mean, we've had a couple days where we had a you know small cool front push through, and we had some better deer movement. But uh, lately, in the last week or so, it's been pretty warm, so not much has been moving. So with you guys have been hunting already now, uh, you know, for almost three weeks, what kind of encounters have you had this season in, in North Dakota? Um, pretty much all of our, I mean, seen a lot of, you know, does, one and a half, two natural bucks, um, you know, mostly all, I mean, all evening hunts. I've, uh, I've sat one morning and didn't see anything and mornings usually don't produce much of this time of the year, but uh, any, we've had a few mature buck counters between me and a couple of my buddies and they've all been in that last you know 10 20 minutes of of light you know but it's only been a few and so hunting a lot of public ground like you do are you feeling any hunting pressure this time of year you know i really don't see a ton of pressure where i'm at and that's like probably my favorite thing of being where i am in north dakota is there's just there's a lot of people that bow hunt and it's mainly all on the private land so it can be really tough to get permission but on the public, you just really don't see many people. And so what are some things on that public ground uh, that you're keying in on right now? Water or food or bedding? What is it? Kind of all of the above, depending which property I'm hunting. I've got one property where I'm targeting a specific buck, and with him it's trying to get as close to his bed as possible because um, where he's bedding on public is the most – it's pretty thick, um, and there's – crops all around on private and then some other pieces of public you've got some bean fields and then there's a place where i've got a pond trying to get on water kind of just to get on anything where they're kind of keen in on the evenings and what kind of role does weather play for you um hunting this early in the season this time of year if you can get a you know a good cold front to come through that's that's really key um our best few days of hunting was when we had temperature drops, you know, 25, 30 degrees within a couple of days. And we were able to get eyes on some good bucks. And one of my buddies was able to, he passed a pretty good deer. Um, so yeah, I mean, weather is, weather is everything. And then if it's not a cold front, it's, you know, rain. I like hunting after right before a heavy rain tonight, we're getting thunderstorms all night and with hail and everything. And then, so I'm going to be out tomorrow trying to get out there after that. Now, are you seeing a lot of bucks that are still grouped up, or are they pretty much separated at this point? I think right now, where I'm at, they're just starting to separate. I've got a few bachelor groups um, that, you know, four bucks are running together, and now only two of them are showing up every time, and 
I don't know if the other two have transitioned, if they're moving to their fall range already. Um, so I'd say the next week or so they'll be splitting up. What about going forward in North Dakota? What do you think that deer activity level is going to be on a scale of one to 10 in this next week or so? I'm hoping it's going to creep its way up to about a six or seven. We're supposed to get temperatures down in the fifties, uh, this weekend and next week. So I'm hoping once those temperature drops and, you know, being a lot cooler than average, look at those deer moving a little earlier before we get here into, into October. All right, Alex. Well, very jealous that uh, you've already had so much time to hunt in North Dakota, and good luck for the rest of the season. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. And that's going to do it for this first episode of the 2017 Rut Radio miniseries. We'll be back with a new episode like this every week from here on out through the rest of the year. So we're going to get you those real-time updates and conditions as we go throughout the hunting season. I'm pretty pumped about that, and I hope you guys find it helpful. And then, of course, we will be back as well with our regular episodes of the Wired Hunt podcast every week as well. So you're going to get two episodes a week, one regular podcast with me and Dan, one of the Rut Radio episodes with Spencer, and the rest of these updates. So uh, thanks for tuning in. And before we go, we want to give a big thank you to the rest of our partners at Sitka Gear, Yeti Coolers, Matthews Archery, Maven Optics, Whitetail Institute of North America, Trophy Ridge, and Huntera Maps. And, of course, Thank you guys all for listening. If you're out there hunting, I wish you good luck. And until next time, stay wired to hunt. Hey, if you guys like to cook outdoors and you ought to, you should check out the Weber Slate Rust Resistant Griddle. So this is a carbon steel cooktop. It's safe for metal tools. It's pre-seasoned with food-safe oils and ready to cook on right out of the box. It's the griddle that stays ready, not rusty. This griddle heats evenly edge to edge, reaching all the way up to 500 degrees. Get fired up for your new Weber Slate rust-resistant griddle. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.